The journey to being a successful creative entrepreneur is filled with challenges, hard work, and occasional high points. You have the opportunity to minimize the challenges and hard work by learning from experts, mentors, and leaders that have traveled the same road before you. The Creative Genius Podcast celebrates you and your hard work and helps you shortcut the path to profit and renewed passion. Enjoy this episode with your host, Gail Doby and Aaron Weir, co-founders of Gail Doby Coaching and Consulting. dear friend Lisa Khan joins us today to talk about scaling up, scaling down, and rethinking your future. Lisa's the vision and energy behind Lisa Khan Designs in Naples, Florida. Starting her design firm in 2000, she hit the ground running and has never looked back. She sees her work as the creation of interior spaces as sanctuaries, sacred places where we can relax, refresh our spirits, and return to the essence of who we are and what is truly important. But before we get started, we'd like to share how you can connect with us. Head on over to our website at gaildoby.com to learn more about the experiences we offer and to check out our latest blog posts. Be sure to follow gail.doby on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, we'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn as well. So Lisa, it's so good to be with you today. We're so excited. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been a little while since we've gotten to see each other in person. I um, know. <laughs> it may be a little longer even still. <laughs> right. But we would love to just get started with kind of going back in time a little bit as to how you originally connected with Gail and myself and, and how we got to finally blossom together as friends and as colleagues. Oh, I love that. So I actually came to know Gail through a friend of mine who is an interior designer from Toronto. And I was going through a really rough patch. I decided I was very burned out. I was feeling like I wasn't necessarily wanting to do interior design anymore. I was open to exploring new career options. And as I was talking to her about some of my burnout issues, she suggested that I give Gail a call. And so I did. And Gail was, of course, very responsive. And we talked actually for over an hour that first time. And Gail was just such an incredibly, you know, it's a gift to ask the right question and to really listen as someone gives you the answers. And she really did both of those things. And she suggested something to me on the phone, which was that maybe it wasn't the industry that was burning me out. Perhaps it was actually the way I was working in the industry. And that was very intriguing to me. And I thought, you know, maybe she's not wrong. I have a very viable business. And she suggested that maybe we get together and have a an in-depth look at my business together. And we did that um, in my very first VIP day. And really, it has just been all systems go since then. I just really have valued this connection so much. I can't even tell you it really was like a whole rebirth of my business and the way that I do business. Yeah, crazy to think that was almost six years ago. Is that right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had just had my second child six years ago. So crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Thinking that it was so funny to hear you say about a rebirth of your business because I remember the VIP day was a near-death experience. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you talk about that a little bit? You know, my first VIP day with Gail, 
honestly, I was nervous because I had never had anyone peer so deeply into my business and my finances and my processes or lack thereof, my staffing issues. I just had never had anyone sit down and really look at it like that with me. And, you know, I think it's very human in the beginning to be afraid of being judged or being thought to not be good at what you have assumed you were good at all these years. But Gail was incredibly objective and incredibly kind. And she just really looked at everything with me. And as we worked through some of the more painful issues, you know, I really went to a very emotional place. And by going there and really looking at all of the things that I did not actually have my arms firmly around and putting into place a plan for moving forward, there's just a lot of emotion that was attached to that for me for whatever reason. And I came away from it feeling more exhausted than I've ever felt. And so that really was my feedback because I felt (laughs) like it was just for like three days after that, I was exhausted. And I think it was the emotional toll that I put on myself. But you know, it is funny. And so yes, I did call it a near-death experience. never forget that but it was just such, it was fun and we met in the hotel room and we were actually at the peninsula in Chicago and it, that was early on for us to do a VIP out of Denver actually mm-hmm. and so you had brought Philip your husband with you which was yeah. great as well and that I remember specifically that you were saying, I'm not sure if he belongs in the business or not. And my comment to you was absolutely bring him to the VIP day so we can decide if he belongs in the business. So, you know, we were newly married and I remember one of my really big concerns was the last thing I wanted to do was jeopardize my beautiful new marriage, but I also didn't want to jeopardize my firm either. And it was either time to hire him and bring him into a very pivotal role or it was time to hire someone else. So I was so grateful to have the objective point of view that you brought to bear because I know that there have been times that you have counseled people not to bring their spouses into their business. So I knew very well that when you said to me, we could definitely have a really solid place for him. You were telling me the truth and you really could see that. And you were right. It's been amazing watching you two work together. And I know Aaron Mm -hmm. has lots of conversations with him about Mm -hmm. many topics. So what are some of your observations, Aaron? Well, I just fell in love with Lisa and Philip the first time that I met them in Chicago. And I remember getting the feedback about that. Gail said, gosh, she said she had a near-death experience. And I was like, I don't know if that's good or bad. That's not really what we're going for. (laughs) But since then, uh, you know, it's, I have gotten to connect with Philip and we connect both business and personally. And he's just such a, such a charming guy, such a good hearted person and so strategic in how he's been able to help your business. And, you know, the things that I've seen you guys move through and grow through in the last several years, just being able to kind of be at a bird's eye view of your business has been just incredible. And so Philip and I, we like to talk a lot about in the world of EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system that I know both of our businesses are running on. Gail and Lisa are the visionaries and Philip and I are the integrators. So we are really helping bring their vision for the business to life. And we joke um, here and there about fully getting to be in our integrator roles occasionally because you still have to put the signs out, letting them know that Lisa has a new job or she has a new construction site that's happening. Uh, you know, and I still have to make sure that everyone knows about this podcast. So we joke back and forth, but he is just incredible. And just to see his creativity, I mean, we are creative people as designers, but to see Philip's creativity in the care that he takes to maintain your brand and making sure that you are really represented just as 
amazing as you truly are in person and whether it's on on paper or on your website or in your social media, he's just done an incredible job of that. And I would say it was definitely the right fit. I know it's, um, I would be the same way, nervous about taking my brand new marriage and then starting to work together. But sometimes it's just kind of the perfect match. It really has been, you know, I have joked with Philip that if we didn't work together, I don't know that we would see each other that much because I work so much. It's such a big part of my life and who I am. And it would be really hard, I think, some days after some of the effort that we put in, whether it's to launch, you know, a new product, launch a new project, whatever it might be that we're working on when I just all hands on deck and I'm so involved for days at a time to come home and try to explain that. I never have to worry about that. He's a part of it. And I really, I love that. I love doing it together. It's great to watch you do that collaboration, and and that has been magical. And that doesn't always happen in collaborations. There are some that end up going apart, and Mm -hmm. partnerships split, and people start to do different things. So that brings me to a question about your journey, because you've been doing this business for 20 years. Is that right? Yep, I have. I've owned this one for 20 years. Wow. And so in that 20 years, you went through some major growth spurts and you had lots of people on your team. Talk to me about some of the things you learned in that process of growing to that level and then why you decided to scale back as well. You know, it's funny that you would ask that today, Gail, because honestly, this is something I have recently been thinking of as closely as last night. So, you know, when I first started my business, I had a lot of design talent and I had a few clients. I had a father who was an entrepreneur who helped me get started and kind of showed me the ropes from a business point of view. But other than that, I really didn't know anything. I didn't really know the in-depth how to run a business and I certainly didn't know how to build a team. And so that the team aspect is a really big one for me. So as I started, you know, first of all, I needed a bookkeeper. So I hired somebody to come in and take care of the money side. And then I needed an assistant. And so I hired someone to come in and be my assistant. And then when I needed, you know, this, that, or the next thing, I would hire someone for that role to fill that hole in that moment. And it's funny because now looking back, being, you know, having gone through a lot of the EOS system and a lot of the other learning that we have done with Gail and with our involvement in her boardroom, I really understand the importance of not just building a team, but building a culture. And I did not understand that then. And so you build and build and hire and hire to fill holes. And that's very very different from building a culture. And so now, you know, looking back, I might have made some different selections along the way. And I'm not saying I have any regrets. I think you learn and that's how you figure it out. But I will tell you that looking forward, my view is quite different. The lens that I'm looking through to try to build a really solid team that all is part of the same culture, I'm much more discriminating. I am much more focused and much more intentional in my hiring practices. So that really has been a big one for me. So tell us a little bit about your culture. I would love to just hear a little bit more about that because I would love to be in the office with you, you and Philip every day. Um, (laughs) Just, yeah, I always get such good vibes and you guys have such great energy and such profound, like innovative ideas that I think are, I would love to be be a fly on your wall uh, on a weekly basis, at least for a cocktail. (laughs) Oh, you're so cute, Erin. Thank you for that. You know, we actually spent some time writing a culture statement. And if I can get my hands on that during our conversation today, I actually would love to read it to you. It is one of my favorite things that we have put together. And Philip and I worked very hard on it together. And it really embodies the words, the phraseology and things that really reflect the kind of brand that we have and the people that we 
are and what's important to us. But, you know, our culture words are things like uh, resilience. That is a really important one. And I don't know that I've ever seen that word be as important as it is right now, living through the pandemic that we have going on all around us. I think resilience has just been super important. Fun is actually one of our culture words that might sound a little bit whimsical, but you know, it is really important to me that we enjoy what we do. And anybody who knows Philip knows how much he loves to laugh and how much he makes everyone around him laugh. And it's just such a pleasure to have that in the office every day because laughter has to be the world's best and cleanest stress reliever. I'm just convinced of it. You know, it takes no time at all. It's available all the time. It has no calories and it doesn't give me a hangover. So <laughs> bonus. <laughs> or a um, buzz. Our, exactly. Graciousness is another one of our culture words because to me, graciousness embodies kindness and thoughtfulness and compassion. And those are so important to the, the way that we like to be treated, the way that we like to treat people around us. And that's the kind of atmosphere, you know, that we want to have in our office. As purveyors of sanctuary, that's a really important part of who we are and what it is that we do. But, you know, we have other culture words that are a little bit more boots on the ground as well. You know, accountability and being able to get things done and, you know, ship the product and get it out the door and finish the project and make sure that we finish down to that last you know, half of 1% is really another part of what we do. And it's how we provide a design service that is a little finer, that is a little more elevated than other people might get in other places. So all of those things are very important. But you know, the last line of our culture statement is we strive to be the change we want to see in the world. And I just love that line. Mm -hmm. That's it right there. We really are trying to lead with congruence. We are trying to be the people that we want to see out in the world and just really embody that. That is so great. And I think that once you have that in your heart and you're leading that way, you're managing that way, your whole team knows about your culture, then you can really have an incredible group of people that are aligned toward the same goal and they'll help you achieve that more easily, especially if they fit that culture. So would you say that early on when you had the first round of hiring to fit spots that half of the people were fitting your culture, the third, what would you say? I would say probably 20%. Wow. I'm just being honest. Well, that is amazing. So if it's only 20%, I would say probably most of those people are not with you right now, correct? They're not. They're not. (laughs) I have one. I have one person from that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we really have kind of grown up in the business together, he and I. So it's just really interesting to me um, how that happened, you know? What happened to make you decide to scale back your business? You know, there were a lot of things that came together all at one time when that happened. It was around 2008. So the economy was interestingly going through a very big adjustment at that time. I'm sure you remember. That's when we started (laughs) Um, our business. (laughs) Exactly. I know we've had that conversation many times, but I was also in the beginning of a divorce and a very painful one. And so as I was starting a divorce from a man with whom I had a very public life, I really felt the need to kind of go underground a little bit and just heal and kind of figure myself out, find a new path forward during a very dark night of the soul. And, you know, it's funny, Gail, having that was the period that we connected, you and I, and that's when we started working together. And I know you've been with me through all of those amazing, terrifying and marvelous days, because really it has been all of that. And 
it's funny to me how it all lined up. There was a lot of synchronicity there. You know, Carl Jung loves to talk about synchronicity and how it just brings things together at the most magical time. And that's what happened. You know, I was going through a divorce. The economy was tanking. Um, I had a couple of employees who left at that time of their own volition. Their lives were moving on. One of them moved away. And it just all came together. My business shrunk back down. It was a great time for it because we had projects that canceled. And I really needed to get my personal life in order. So it was a very natural shrinking, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And so after that happened, then what was the turning point when you decided to grow again? Well, honestly, Gail, you gave me a lot of optimism. I mean, I'm not pinning this all on you, but as we sat down and talked about what I wanted, you really encouraged me to look at the life that I wanted to build for myself and my goals for my finances, for the way I spend my time, for the kind of work that I wanted to do in the world and this message of sanctuary that I was building, that what I figured out in that is that I needed to scale my business and build my business so that it would support that life that I wanted to be living. And it required a little bit of growth to do that. And so I did. It's been interesting to watch you go through that because one of the things that you've done too is you've gone back to school to get your master's. And how does that fit together with this? Well, you know, it's so interesting. When I turned 50 a couple of years ago, I thought about what I wanted to do to mark that occasion. It's quite a thing to turn 50. You're kind of halfway through an entire century. And, you know, I know a lot of people who get very stressed about major milestone birthdays, but I oddly get kind of excited about them. And I thought, wow, you know, 50, I have this amazing opportunity and I don't want to forget what it was like to turn 50. I'm never going to be this young again. And what is something that I could do for myself that would be truly remarkable. And I thought about something that I had read, which I can't remember it right now, by Eleanor Roosevelt. And it was it was a quote about inner beauty. And I thought, you know, I can't exactly control what is happening on the outside of me. Everything is definitely starting to inch downward. We're getting more lines. You know, there's more. I'm just never going to look the way that I did when I was 20, but that's okay. And what can I do to really cultivate my own inner beauty? And I decided that it would be really interesting to go back to school. And it has been quite an adventure, I have to say. It's probably the biggest rabbit hole I've ever jumped down, but also (laughs) one of the most rewarding. (laughs) It's a lot of work to try to do that. I'm going to a program that's all online. Um, And I started out in transformational psychology, which was really interesting to me because with my message of sanctuary, we're talking about spaces that transform form people's lives. And so the message that goes along with that, I really wanted to understand the science behind it. And I know through my own practice that there is an absolutely alchemical magic that is where the built environment and the human spirit meets. But why? Like, what is that? And how can we best utilize that particular brand of alchemy to really help people find happier lives, lead more fulfilling lives, be calmer, be nicer in the world? Like, how can we let that important piece of work really be documented? Like, what what is behind all of that? And so that was what I was seeking when I went back to school. And not only have I started to unravel that whole skein of thread, I've also been unraveling some other ones. And it has just been so marvelously interesting to me that I am loving my 50s more than I have loved any other decade I've ever lived through. (laughs) Mm. That's amazing. So, Mm. I mean, just as as a working mother myself, like I can't imagine going to school right now. So is it just filling up your tank uh, when you do go to school? I mean, how are you able to wear all the hats that you're wearing right now? 
Well, you know, it's funny because this last semester, I decided to go crazy and take two classes rather than just one. I'm going to be on the extended master's degree program because I can only do one class at a time. It, it takes so much time. You know, for every credit, they want you to have three hours of work a week. And I'm taking a three credit class. So nine hours of work every mm-hmm. single week to do a class is big. I went into this thinking I don't have an extra nine hours a week. But, you know, the truth is you find it. And I did. And I just decided to try it at first. But this last semester, I took two classes and then the pandemic hit and I was literally going crazy. I just I thought I can never do this again. But I loved both of my classes and I wanted to finish them. And I think one of the beauties of the pandemic for me, and I know it's probably sounds really odd to think that there could be a beautiful thing coming out of it. But for me, there has been and it has been the chance to reflect on what it is that I'm filling my time with. And while I have been a little resistant in the past to Gail's concept of time blocking, I have found out that that is the magical key. Like she was right. Gail is almost always right, which is sort of revolting. But seriously, (laughs) I always tell my kids I'm always right. Well, in this relationship, Gail's always right. So she, you know, tried to talk to me about that so many years ago. And I was just like, I don't want to be hemmed in like that. I don't want that kind of structure. But you know, the truth is what Gail was very gently showing me is that through discipline, you find freedom. And so I have found through blocking my time, I used to leave all my classwork for the weekends and the evenings. And so I had no time. There was no time for anything. There was no flexibility at all. And so now that I've had a chance to sit back and reflect, I've let go a couple of other things that I was doing so that I could make more room for my classwork and enjoy it more because I really want to show up for it. Does that make sense? I really Mm -hmm, want to be present and really absorb all the goodness there because this is meaningful to me. This is the next chapter. This is the next adventure that I'm on. And, you know, not to bring him back in, but he'll like to hear that probably. Philip has been very involved. You know, he's such an intellectual guy and he knows so many interesting things. And it has been such a pleasure to share my class readings and my posts and my papers and things with him. And he's been invaluable to me as a support. How do you see your business changing as a result of the work that you're doing right now? And of course, the pandemic is inevitable. We're going to have changes. So what does it look like for you in the maybe 10 years? You know, Gail, honestly, my vision has expanded and I don't even think I've had a chance to necessarily talk to you that much about this yet, but I actually love my work so much that I'm doing learning right now that looking down the road, I think I might go past my master's and get a doctorate. And I really want to be qualified to be part of some of the really powerful think tanks that are out there. I want to be involved with helping set public policy. And it's not just from an interior's point of view, you I've been taking classes in eco-psychology and we absolutely have to change the way that we are living so that we can have mutually enhancing relationships with people and the world. The planet and human beings and all living beings need to get together in one as one big organism, which we are, and there need to be decisions being made out there that help every single living thing thrive, all of it and the earth. So I'm really about that. And I'm not sure that I can see really clear what that looks like right now. Down, It's a little far down the path. But honestly, so many fascinating things have crossed my path since I have started this. And I am meeting people that are just so well healed in the world of the intellect and academia and writing and affecting public policy and world leaders and things. I know that the path will be clear to me. And I know that my work is there. It's so interesting. And I love seeing this evolution with you because we have had so many conversations about your your mission, which I think is an important one, especially right now. Never has there been a more important time to have sanctuary than right now. 
That's so, exactly it. Yeah, and I can see that your your work actually reflects sanctuary to me. The colors mm-hmm. you use, the way that you choose the items that you put into the homes, how you approach your projects to me speaks about sanctuary. And I do remember one conversation that we had, and you'll probably remember this one too. We were at market and we did another VIP day and we talked about the fact that you needed to live your message. Talk to me about that a little bit. You know, Gail, I think it was probably one of the biggest challenges that anyone has ever given me in my life. And when you said, Lisa, if you are going to sell this concept of sanctuary, if you are going to have that be the underpinning for your entire business, you're going to have to live that. And it sounded lovely to me because I was in my own dark, painful, victimized time. I think we've all been there. And I just thought you were giving me like a get out of jail free card. I thought, (laughs) oh, great. Gail wants me to have a massage every day. I get to sleep in. I get to do whatever I want. I really am going to lead this gorgeous, gracious, lovely, relaxing life. And I'm just going to embody sanctuary in everything that I do. And, you know, I felt excited about that until the plane hit the tarmac up in Fort Myers. And I got a call from one of my kids and there was a problem. And, you know, life met me right there. And I went back to all of that stuff that I had been doing, all of that victimhood I had been feeling, all of that frustration and resentment and, you know, fear and all of the other things that were part of my life at that point. And it's very funny because I was sitting, you know, I get up every day and write three pages longhand. Thank you, Julia Cameron and the Artist Way. I love my morning pages. And I was sitting there writing and I was writing yet another long three pages of all the things that were wrong. This is wrong. That is wrong. They're wrong. Why is this happening to me? My life is so terrible. And I was just sitting there feeling so utterly spent. I was crying. I was beside myself. And for whatever reason, I texted Gail. I don't even know what made me reach out to you in that moment. You were at the airport and you said, call me right now. I'm getting ready to get on a plane, but I want to tell you something. And so I called you up and you suggested a book to me, which was Ryan Holiday, The Obstacle is the Way. And I ordered it right then. And you just kind of listened to me, you know, in your very objective way. And you said, okay, I hear you. I know it's really bad. I want you to read this book and let's talk after. So you went on your trip. I ordered the little book. I started to read it and... It came and I was like, how can a big message come in such a small book? It looks like I could read this in an hour. But as I started reading it and unpacking the amazing message of stoicism, which I mistakenly thought was keeping a stiff upper lip, I didn't realize that it was looking for the opportunity for growth in all situations and understanding that everything is coming to you to help your greater growth and good. And by the time I got done reading that book, I realized that all of the situations that had been instruments for me to feel victimized were actually opportunities for me to move my own life forward. And they were coming to me for that reason. And you know, that sounds quite small to say right now, but I will tell you that this was, it was like the sun came out in the middle of midnight. Like it felt that shocking to me in that moment. I was just like, oh my gosh. And I will tell you that from that moment, everything changed because my entire base operating system was switched out and I had this new way of looking at life, at the events that were happening. And all of a sudden I realized I can never stop life from lobbing situations and lemons at me. It's going to happen my whole life. But what I can change is the way that I respond. And it, we're going back to that resilience, right? That equanimity that I mentioned, that's so much a part of our culture. And that's why, because we have to be resilient. It really is the only way to survive. I think that's what Charles Darwin was actually talking about. Well, I know that there was a moment for me um, about, gosh, two years ago that we had been in touch and I was going through one of my little dark periods. And you reminded me very quickly that you know, these are gifts 
And words are powerful. And how you talk about things makes a huge difference, not just to others that are around you, but how you're internalizing things and how you're moving through them and really, really finding growth in those things. And that was such an inspiration to me. I always, anytime I kind of find myself going in those circles, I'm like... Okay, these are gifts. This is a gift. This is at least so it can be hard to see, but yes, yes. Yeah, for sure. There's a great phrase by, and this is from Dr. Benjamin Hardy, and he talks about things happening for you and not to you. And I I love that because it was one of those things that as we've gone through all the things recently with the pandemic and just the challenges that it has created for us, there's something good happening. And I think I was thinking about this in early April, really actually probably the end of March because we started the Operation Ignite series. And it was, it came out of the fact that I felt like we needed to have a bigger purpose. And our purpose was to support our clients and to help them through this really difficult time and that we needed to put their needs ahead of ours and that we needed to have a bigger reason that we were here to support and help them. And so we made some radical decisions about what we would do and instantly just the whole team engaged behind it. We all were behind the vision. And it's just like what you just said a few minutes ago, you find that bigger purpose and then everything else goes away. You just mobilize behind that and you get it done because that's what you're focusing on is that positive momentum that you're trying to create for yourself. Yeah. Not looking back on what didn't go right. It's really Mm -hmm. on what you can do, what you can contribute. Well, I know I would love to know what you imagine yourself being in 10 years. What are you doing? What's happened? You know, who are you? You're, it seems like you're ever changing and you have a passion for growth. So tell us a little bit about that. You know, I really think that I am kind of stepping into a new role just very naturally. It's, it's, I'm evolving right now. And part of it has been just a natural trajectory for me. Part of it is going back to school and part of it is owning my business as long as I have and kind of seeing it evolve. So, you know, I love interior design. Um, I find incredible fulfillment in it. I love the way that we get so involved with our clients' lives. And I love bringing sanctuary to them and watching their lives, you know, improve and transform. I I really do love it. But I have this whole other notion of wanting to get the understanding of how our spaces have this unbelievably profound effect on our life. I want to get that message out to the larger collective whole. And so how do I do that? And that is what I am working out right now. And I get really interesting down sometimes when I write my pages, I get really interesting downloads sometimes in dreams. And the pandemic has been probably the biggest download period that I have ever lived through. I actually leave my notebook open on my desk at home all the time right now with a pen because I can't walk by it without thinking of something and needing to sit down and write it. I have pages and pages and pages. I actually re-engaged with Nancy Greystone, who Gail turned me on to as well as a communications coach. And I re-engaged with her and I have been spending time going through all of my notes so that we can capture all of them because I am absolutely certain that there is a book in there. There is an entire series of speaking engagements and talks. I think there are products on products on products that can be put out into the marketplace to help people. And I think, Erin, that I am stepping into the role of a teacher. And I think that I have a lot of wonderful things to teach. And this might sound really funny, but I also think that I am stepping into a role 
as a healer because I think that we can heal people through their spaces. And I find myself, you know, through my own meditation practices and my other own spiritual pursuits, there is a real oasis of calm and resilient energy that's inside of me. And I get comments sometimes that people feel that when they're around me. And at this point, I think it's a matter of me figuring out how best to share that with people. You know, do I start sanctuary consulting? I'm working on that. So I definitely see that sanctuary is going to come front and center. I have so many things that I want to do. I think I have many more ideas than I probably have days left on this planet. So I think whatever I do, it's going to be great. I love, love it. that. Yeah, that the passion and the purpose that you have now yeah. I think is so strong. And the best part, too, is I think that you're not giving up what you have been doing for 20 years. You're just finding a different way to express it. And yeah in a more impactful way. So it's not just mm-hmm. about doing a beautiful interior. It's about transforming someone's life through that interior. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, you know, I think I'll always do interior design. I just really love it. It's as natural as breathing. And I laughingly refer to myself as the house whisperer. You know, I really do think that our spaces speak to us. I think that the concept of interiority and there being a level of consciousness to everything and in everything is very real. And I I think it's there. I think it's it's something, it's a gift that I have and bringing it is my greatest pleasure. Mm, I love that. Any dreams that you have that you haven't had a chance to experience yet? You know, one of the things that I decided is that I really want to experience sanctuary around the world. And I know that that we're a little on hold with that at the moment because there's not a lot of traveling going on. But before the pandemic started, um, Philip and I had plans that this summer we were going to travel to Europe. And I really want to visit sites that I believe have something special, something extra. And one of them, for example, is Carl Jung had a place in Switzerland called Bollingen Tower that he built himself with the help of stonemasons. And it's kind of a fortress-like structure and has no electricity, no running water. And he would spend three or four months there every year alone. And that's where he did some of his best writing. He painted on all the walls. He did a lot of thinking and experimenting. And that structure is still standing and it is owned by his family. And if you know someone, I hear that you can actually get into it. And to be able Mm -hmm. to go sit on the floor in Carl Jung's sacred sanctuary space, I want to do that thing. Mm. I just think for somebody who hears spaces and hears what they have to say, I'm certain that it has something to say to me. So I really want to go there. And I know that a couple of the faculty members at my university have gone. And so I think probably through them, I could get some sort of a contact. Also, I'm a big fan, an avid fan of Rudolf Steiner. Have either of you ever heard of him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have So in a Yep. An American philosopher, uh, the father of biodynamic agriculture, the Waldorf schools, just really an amazing fellow. He also had an interest in architecture. And so he designed, he loved Goethe and the whole, you know, Goethe's philosophies on nature. And so he, using Goethe's philosophies, developed and designed a building, which he calls the Goethe Annum. And I believe it's in Belgium, and I might be wrong. I don't have my book in front of me, but that was the other place that I wanted to go this summer. So the first Goethe Annum was built of wood, and it took all these years to create and build hand-carved pillars inside, amazing sculptures that he did, all these stained glass windows, just an incredible structure built on his philosophy, sacred sanctuary, if ever there was one. And on the night that it opened or a few nights thereafter, arson burned it to the ground Oh my gosh. and just devastating. And they built it a second time out of concrete. But, you know, Rudolph did not live to see the second completion. Mm. So that structure is still standing. 
and the Anthroposophical Society operates their organization out of that. And they have theater there and they have performances and you can go tour it and some of his original sculptures are there. So I really want to go see that as well. There is something there. Anytime something is designed with that much intention, you know it's going to be magic. So I know there are other places like that in the world as well. So I'm developing a list and I want to go photograph them, catalog them and write about what it is that spoke to me there and then put that all into a book. So you think that would be a beautiful cocktail table book? That would be beautiful. That's amazing. I know. I, I want to sit down and read it, but then I forgot I have to write it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the best part. You get to use your creativity for something other than just design. <laughs> totally. That's a fun to watch also. And I love this watching my clients as they evolve and they see what they can do. And one of the things we talk about in the boardroom, which is for, it's a mastermind for million dollar plus companies. And we talk about beyond business. And the reason we talk about that is that your life is not just your business. It's beyond business. It's what you can do. It's what you can give back. It's your contribution. All of those things that are meaningful and important to you can be funded by your business. And it is one of the things that I think is the gift of having a successful business is that you have these opportunities to expand and to see who you really are as a person, where you get to be, what you get to do and who you get to impact. And so that's a question I have for you is what is that impact you would like to make? What is that big impact? You know, it's around sanctuary, Gail. I just, you know, sanctuary and what it means to me, it's such a big, beautiful word and it means different things to different people. But to me, it really speaks to that alchemical reaction that I mentioned to you, the human mm -hmm. spirit and the built environment, that peace in the spaces around us and the way that they can create peace inside us um, and then how that manifests in our lives and then back out in the world. So I really want to do my level best to, <laughs> I just heard the Coke song, I'd like to teach the world to sing. No, not that. But you know, I really want to bring the message of sanctuary to the world in the very best way that I can. And I'm working that out right now. And that's why I think the educational piece is so important, because I think it's teaching me how to speak to different levels of people about this all important conversation and this all important topic. And I think I am learning innovative new ways to bring it out into the world. Amazing. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, I think that we would love for you to just leave our listeners with three things that, that they could take back to their lives and their businesses today. Do you have a few things that you could share with them? Of course. Yeah, no, I think the first one, just to kind of recap on our conversation, I think that when you are growing a business, whether you are just starting it or whether you are kind of regrowing it after a pandemic or whether you are regrouping I think that building a culture is a very noble endeavor. And I think that it is something to keep in mind rather than just quickly hiring people to fill a hole here and there in your business and get some work done. It really thinking about surrounding yourself with like-minded people who are resonating with the same energy frequency that you are and really want similar things and are on board with helping you bring your vision to the world, whatever that might be, is critical. So that first. I think the second is doing whatever it is that you can to nurture your own resilience. It helps you in your business, helps you in your life, helps you deal with all things and even remarkable times like this. I think resilience is the key. Um, and I think the last one is feeding your own inner need, whatever that is. For me, it was my intellect and going back to school. Do what you can 
to keep yourself interested and interesting because that really is the fountain of youth right there. I am utterly convinced of it. And it is so compelling to be around someone who is both interested and interesting. They always have interesting things to bring and always on the move, always changing, evolving. And that's a beautiful thing to behold. When you watch someone else doing that, it can be very inspiring. So take the time to cultivate that in yourself. Beautiful words. Yeah, those are great. Taking notes myself, like I've got to do this today. (laughs) Mountain of Youth got it from Lisa. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Lisa. Give Philip our love and we cannot wait to see you guys in person, hopefully very soon. I know, Aaron and Gail, thank you so much. I'm just so honored to be part of what you're doing. I really believe in your outreach. What you are doing for people and their businesses and their lives is just really, it is wonderful. Thank really, you so really much, wonderful. Lisa. Thank you. Well, we love working with you. And, and that to us is the cornerstone of everything. We have to love the people we work with. And yeah. we just love what you are doing in the world. And we wish you so much love and success. Thank you. To learn more about Lisa, head on over to lisacondesigns.com. Join us next week for Dr. Benjamin Hardy as he talks about his new book, Personality Isn't Permanent, where we discover how forgiving our past will help you create the future of your dreams. See you next week. 